great to be back with you after being gone for a couple weeks. I heard that Salvador and Stephanie did a great job while I was gone. Is that true? Yeah, okay. That's enough. Don't applaud too loud. I don't want to do that. But really, that's always, I'm always so thankful we've got great people to step in when, when I'm out of town. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for the way that you supported them. Um, you know, it's interesting when we talk about what does it really mean to, to be a Christian. Um, a, a lot of times people think that uh, being a Christian is simply about having Christ forgive your past. And I don't know about you, I'm thankful Christ is willing to forgive our past, amen? Uh, and, and I wanna, you know, I wanna share that with you. I mean, any, and no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, the Bible says when we come humbly before God, when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, willing to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and, and the past is gone, and I'm thankful for that. But that's not the end of the story, Christ didn't come just to forgive our past. Look at me. He came to show us how to live. And that's what I want to I talk about in this series. Um, there was a, a, a simple phrase that Jesus used over and over and over again. Whenever he would run into people who were interested in really discovering the things of God, Jesus had two little words that he would use. What were those words? Follow me. Everybody say that. Follow me. And that's the title of this series. And that's what I want to explore beginning today over the next several weeks. I want to talk about what does it really mean to follow Jesus Christ. And in this series, we're going to look at Christ's interactions with his disciples and the lessons and the implications for them and how they apply to us. Are you ready? I want to jump into the, the, the message this morning. We're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. We'll throw those up on the screen for you. It's from the New Living Translation. If you want to read it in the NIV, those Bibles are in the pews in front of you. And uh, those are also our gift to you. If you need a Bible, would like to take one of those homes, please feel free to do so. They are our gift to you. If you have a friend who needs one, feel free to take one for them. We want you to be able to have the Word of God. I want you to look at this passage and what Jesus says to the disciples here. The following day, John, they're talking about John the Baptist here. John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Now you can imagine John had a lot of influence and he was looked at as a pretty spectacular individual and yet he's pointing at Jesus saying, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, what did they do? They followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and he saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And what did Jesus say? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. I wanna lock in on that little phrase that Jesus used because it is so incredibly powerful. Come and see. Everybody say those words with me. Come and see. Christ's invitation to these disciples was to come and see. 
Come and, and learn. Come, come and grow. Come, come and discover. Christ had so much more for them than they had any idea about. And that's what I want to share with you. Christ's invitation to his disciples is the same invitation that he's making to us today. And that is to come and see. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, come and, come and see what? I'm so glad you asked. Let's look at a few things that, that, that this means. Come and see, first of all, who Jesus is. Come and see who Jesus is. You know, when these disciples first started following Jesus, they really didn't know a whole lot about him. They had no idea where he had come from or what he was about to do on planet Earth. And they made these incredible discoveries that you and I can make. What discoveries were that? Well, several things. First off, they discovered that he is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, you can imagine how this just rocked their world for a group of people who always believed that God was an unreachable God. God was an unknowable God. God was an untouchable God. And then for Jesus to stand before them and say these words, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What? I and the Father are one. What? People were so proud of their Jewish heritage and they called themselves children of Abraham. And Jesus looks at them and he says, before Abraham was I am. And those words were all going back to the fact that Jesus wasn't just another teacher. He wasn't just another prophet. He wasn't just another rabbi. Jesus was God in the flesh come to earth. I, I love how Paul framed it. Such a great picture in Colossians 1, 15. Read it out loud with me. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You know, sometimes we, we find ourselves kind of sitting alone and we, we, I wonder what God is really like. Look at me. Please don't miss this. Everything you want to know about God, you can discover in the person of Jesus Christ because he came to reveal who this mysterious God really was. Another discovery that they made that, that we make too is that Jesus is our way back to God. He's our way back to God. Not only had God come to earth, but God had come to show us how to be right with him. You, know, you can go to any culture anywhere in the world and what you'll discover is people who, who have, are, know nothing about the Bible or any of that, every culture has within them this innate understanding that there's something out there, that there's something that created all of this, that they came from something. There's this innate part of us, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, that talks about that God has put eternity in our hearts. There's this sense that there is something out there. And all these cultures are, are, are trying to figure out how, how, who is this God and, and how can I be okay with this God? Jesus came from heaven to earth to make it clear how to be right with him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, that if anyone would believe in him, they would not perish, but they could have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except 
through me. You know, Jesus came in the flesh to make it clear to mankind, this is your path back to God. There is no other way. Peter, uh, Paul wrote about this in, in 1 Timothy 2. Um, he says, read it with me. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. The other discovery that the disciples make that we make as well is that this Jesus is a model for our living. It's a model for our living. <laughs> when I was writing this, I, I flashed back to several years ago to when I was uh, living in Pennsylvania and our, our boys were both very small. And one day I was out cutting our, our grass out in our backyard. And uh, as I was walking along, I, I, I saw there was something behind me and I turned around and our, my oldest son, Ben, had a little plastic mower that you, when you pushed it, it made noise. I don't know if you remember those things. But as I was walking along, cutting the grass, he was about four or five feet behind me with his plastic mower and uh, just following, following in my path everywhere I went. Now, by the time he became a teenager, he didn't want anything to do with mowers again, you know. But, but it was so cute. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's really what the Christian life is all about. It's about keeping our eyes locked in on who our God is and asking the question, how do I live like him? Um, there was a book written almost 100, about 125 years ago. It's called a book by a guy by the name of Charles Sheldon called In His Steps. Uh, it's a novel about a, a church that was having a worship service one day and this stranger shows up and he begins to talk about this idea of what does it really mean to be a Christian? And this stranger poses the question to this church that revolutionized them and their community. And it was this question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Now, some of us kind of, this has been a little popular thing, that WWJD, you know, bracelets that we would wear. and that kind of, That's where all of that came from. What would Jesus do? And do you understand how transformational that question is. Just think this thought with me. What if we all went home today and the way that we acted with our family is when we would first ask the question, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus treat his spouse? How would Jesus treat his kids? How would Jesus treat his parents? How would Jesus act when he went to school tomorrow? How would Jesus be when he goes to work Tomorrow, How would Jesus treat the people in the bank or the people at Walmart that he encountered? What would Jesus do? Look at me. Please hear my heart. So much of the behavior and the things that we struggle with, so much of that question would be answered if we would ask that question first. What would Jesus do? Amen? That, that passage that, or that book title came from 1 Peter 2.21 Peter was speaking about Jesus, and here's what he said. Read it with me. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Well, not only does, does God, Jesus, invite us to come and see who he is, but there's another come and see part of this. Come and see who you really are. Come and see who you really are. Look at me. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God is the one who has a plan 
and a purpose for your life. Now, this is so important because we grow up in a world that wants to define us, a world that wants to tell us who we are, but no one has the right to define you except the God who made you. Does that make sense to you? When you read about these interactions that the disciples had with Jesus, one of the things that you discover is that he not only showed them who he was, he helped them get a glimpse of themselves through his eyes, and that changed everything. That changed everything. So many of us are living under these false identities of who we think we are. You know, I was reading about um, when China instituted a, a mandate back in the early 80s that every family could only have one child. Um, something that began to happen were that families uh, became really concerned because if their one child was a daughter, then for many of them, their family name would not continue. And so there was a real rise in wanting, to, wanting a boy. And because um, of, this, of this law, something, a phenomenon began to happen in China, and that is little boys began to get kidnapped. And you have these stories over and over again about these little boys who were, were kidnapped when they were two to five years old, and they were, they were taken away, and they were often sold to these families who wanted a boy in their family so they could carry on their family name. And, and these kids would grow up in these families. And you can go online, you can read story after story of these boys who became men and realized one day that they weren't a part of that family. In fact, there was one, throw that picture up on the screen for me. This, this is a, a great story. This is a, a young man who had been stolen away from his family and didn't find out, didn't find his real family for 32 years. 32 years. And this was the, the reunion when after he realized that he was, uh, had been taken away and he began to do a search and his family was looking for him. And this is the encounter between him and his mother for the very first time uh, after he had been stolen away. Can you imagine the confusion? Can you imagine these people growing up not knowing who they were, thinking they were someone, and then one day discovering they weren't, they were really somebody else? Look at me. This is your story. There are some of you who have grown up in homes where you were told you were one thing and God's telling you you're another. Some of you have grown up believing that you were nothing, that you were nobody. <coughs> Excuse me. You were told that you will never amount to anything. And God is telling you you are precious and priceless and full of worth and value. That was the amazing thing about Jesus is he, he took these people from all walks of life. He took these prostitutes and he turned them into women of God. He, he took these tax collectors and who, who lied and cheated and he made men of integrity out, out of them. He took these you know, unschooled, unignorant fishermen and he turned them into apostles of God. He gave them the identity that God had created them with. Look at me, please don't miss this. I, I don't know what background you come from. I don't know what you've been through in your life, but here's what I want to tell you. You will never discover who you really are until you answer that call, come and see. Because it's only in the presence of God and in the fullness of Christ that you discover that identity.
I love, one of my favorite verses of scripture is from 1 John 3, 1. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He says, oh, what marvelous, you gotta read this out loud with me. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called the children of God. That's who we really are. Read it one more time. That's who we really are. Can I give you another one? One of the other things that the disciples discovered that we discover is you get to come and see what Jesus can do for you. You can come and see what Jesus can do for you. You know, it's so funny when you read the Gospels, as Jesus began to start doing all of these different miracles, how the disciples' eyes got wider and wider to understand that there is no limits to what this guy can do. You know, he healed blind people. He healed lame people. He, he, he did all of these miracles after miracles. He turned water into wine. He, he took a few fish and a few loaves of bread and he multiplied it to feed thousands of people and they're just going, man, what can't this guy do? And then they watch him raise Lazarus from the dead and it's like, wow, is there any limit? No, there is no limit. In fact, I love one of the verses. I, I wrote a devotional about this last week from Ephesians 3.16. Read it with me. It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Look, what's key on those two words? Unlimited resources. Circle that word. God has unlimited resources to come alongside you with. Mark chapter nine, Jesus comes back. His disciples are talking with a man who had brought his son to them for them to heal and they couldn't do it. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, this father looks at Jesus and he's desperate and he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, would you make my son whole? If you can. And I love what Jesus said. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Then here's what Jesus said. Read it with me. Anything is possible if a person believe. Do you believe that? Now, again, I don't, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what problems you may be dealing with, what health issues you may have, what financial situations you may be struggling with, or, or what it is you're trying to unravel in your life. But this is what I know. Our God is greater. He is a God of unlimited resources. Last week, um, Wanda and I were, we were in Tennessee. Um, I had been invited to speak at the, the General Assembly for the Church of God in Tennessee and then preach at a church in Nashville last Sunday. So Wanda and I kind of seized the opportunity to fly out or drive out rather, drive out early um, to spend some time in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains. How many of you have ever been to Gatlinburg? Oh, okay, several of you have. Yeah, isn't it a gorgeous? It's, it's, a, it's an amazing place. It's really beautiful. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is the picture I, we, I took uh, up on the mountain when we were, we were touring around up there. And uh, it was really cool. We had a great, great time. We had got to do a Jeep tour up in the mountains, and we toured these caverns and all of that kind of stuff. And then we got to go see waterfalls and all of that. And those of you who follow me on Facebook, you saw all those pictures. What was, um, what was crazy was on Wednesday morning, uh, we had checked out of our hotel. We were going to do one more three-hour hike, and then we were having to head off to Nashville. 
And uh, we got up that morning and we met at the site where we, the, the group was gathering, met our tour guide, and then we were all going to caravan up the mountain to the trailhead. And when it was time to head up the mountain, I got in my car and I fired up my 2019 Ford Edge and this big plume of white smoke comes out of the back. And I'm like, holy cow. You know, I don't know a whole lot about cars, but that doesn't look good, you know. And, and it kind of felt like the car was running rough and, and the white smoke was just pouring out of the back and we're going, man, Wanda's going, what's going on? And I looked at her like, what does it say, Steve mechanic here? I don't have any idea. You know, I don't know anything. So, so we, we waited and we just let the car run for a little bit and it kind of cleared up and we thought, okay, maybe we're, we're good to go. And uh, so we, we, they took off up the mountain and we followed them up the mountain, got all the way up there. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe we're okay. Got right to the trailhead. I mean, this is a few miles up on the mountain now. Got, got to the trailhead. We're pulling into the parking lot. And just as we were pulling into the parking lot, all of a sudden my car goes, <coughs> and it just dies. Should we do that? I caught whatever my car had. I don't know what it is. Oh. And, uh, and, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, we had no power. And so I fired it up again, tried it, still jerking and lurching. And I'm going, oh, no. So I cruise into a parking place. And Wanda looks at me and says, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're up on the mountain. We might as well go on our hike. And so we did. We got out, got with our group, and did this three-hour hike and just beautiful pictures and all that. And we got back to the van or back to my car, my Ford Edge, and I, I said, okay, well, let's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my phone. I have no cell phone service. And I said, well, it's downhill all the way to the city, so let's just go downhill. And so I started it up and it fired up, and I'm, I'm easing it all the way down. Sure enough, got all the way back to the parking area where we had started. And I thought, now we got to figure out what to do. Well, the car only has 32,000 miles on it. And I thought, I don't know what it is, but the wrench is showing up in the van, which means it's a powertrain issue. And I thought, you know, it's got to be under warranty. And so I'm, I'm not going to just take it to me. I'm going to get a Ford dealership. There's only one Ford dealership in the county, but there was one. And they were 11 miles away. And I called the guy and he said, yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> well, duh. And, uh, and so I said, well, can, I need to get it to you. And he said, well, I'm not going to even be able to look at it for three to seven days. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't really have any options here. So, you know, who's your wrecker that you use? And, and so I, I, I called his guy, his wrecker guy. Would you come get it? And then throw that next picture up. And there's my beautiful Ford Edge being towed away. Wanda and I just stood at the top. And I just kind of you know, that. As they, they towed it off. Well, now, now I got to figure out now how are we going to get to, how are we going to get to, the dealership. It's 11 miles away. And so I thought, well, I'm going to get a Lyft car. You know, I'm going to have a Lyft come and pick me up. So I pull out my phone and punch up Lyft and Lyft sends me a thing, says, we have no drivers available. Where am I? <laughs> so I thought, what am I going to do? Well, I remembered we, I had posted pictures on Facebook on Monday night and my brother who lives in Northern Indiana sends me a text and says, Steve, Deb and I are in Gatlinburg. And so we, we'd gone out to dinner with him the other night. I thought, well, my brother can come get us. So I called my brother and he came and he got us and he took us to the dealership. And the dealer, I, I went, met the service guy who was really great. He said, yeah. He goes, did, did you have white smoke? I said, yeah. He said, did it smell like burnt rubber? I said, yeah. He, he said, did you lose power? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, I've only seen this twice before. Of course, I got this rare disease in my car now. 
He, he said, I've only seen this twice before and only once in a Ford Edge. He said, but Steve, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, the last time we had to do this, he said, we had to replace the engine. And he said, and it took us a month to get all the parts. And he didn't even predict that the auto workers were going to go on strike. You, don't, you know what I'm saying? And I said, well, we don't have any options, so here we are. Now, how many times in those kind of situations do we go, God, what are you doing to me? You know, you're killing me. But I want you to hear this. Over and over and over again, God provided. He got us down the mountain. We could have been on the side of a road in nowhere, Arkansas someplace, you know, stranded forever. And nobody, you know, hearing this, den 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 you know, and we didn't... <laughs> Never been found again, you know. Get it, get it. But we, we, we could have, you know, we could have done all, but, but we weren't. We, we were there. We could have been a place where there was no Ford dealership, but there was. I could have been a place where I didn't have a brother present, but I did. I, the, I called the guy who was running the event in Nashville. I told him what was going on. I said, I'm going to have to find if I can get a rent car or something to, to get to Nashville uh, to, for tomorrow. The guy calls me back and says, hey, there's a pastor and his wife. They're going to come. They live about an hour south of where you're at. <coughs> They're going to come and pick you up. They're going to get all your stuff out of your Ford Edge, put it in their van. They're going to take you home with them. They're going to keep you overnight. Then they're going to bring you to Nashville tomorrow. And I've already talked to the pastor in Nashville, Tommy Dove, who happened to be a good friend of mine. Tommy said, don't worry about it. When you get there, he and Margaret have a car that you guys can use the entire time you're there. I pulled up my points on Southwest. I had enough points to fly Wanda and I home uh, from, from on, on our Southwest Airlines Sunday afternoon. And it was like one thing right after another, after another, after another. God is good. He's good. Then I get home and think, well, now I don't have a car. And so I'm trying to work out some arrangements with a couple people. Can I borrow this car or that car? And, and people were being gracious. But then I had a friend here in the church who heard that I was without a car and said, well, we have a car sitting in our garage that's not being driven. It belonged to my father who passed away and he, we've had it and we just started up to make sure it keeps running. But we've got that car. Nobody drives it. You can, you can take that car and you can, you can drive it as long as you need. What a blessing. And no kidding, here is that car. Throw that picture up on the screen. God is good. <laughs> it's so funny. I called the guy in the dealership in Tennessee. I said, take your time. <laughs> take your time. Uh, yeah. I, drove it, I drove it to the office the other day. and <laughs> First day I drove it in, the staff were looking at me. It was a beautiful day. I had the top down. The staff goes, what, you get a raise or what, man? Here's what I want to say. God teaches us over and over and over again that he is our Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Look, please hear my heart. Don't know what you're facing don't know what you're dealing with. This is what I know. God is faithful. God is good. And he has unlimited resources. Amen. Let me give you one last one. Come and see what Jesus can do through you. 
Come and see what Jesus can do through you. The, the biggest surprise for the disciples wasn't just the teaching and the miracles that Jesus did. It was the promise that Jesus gave them of how he was going to work through their lives after they were gone. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus told, tell, talking to his disciples said, come follow me and I'll show you how to do what? Fish for people. <coughs> you, you've been fishermen. I'm going to show you how to change the world. I love it. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is talking to Peter. He said, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell cannot conquer it. Christ took a ragtag group of fishermen and he laid them as the foundation for his kingdom. And you know what? He still does that. Last Sunday uh, in Nashville, after I woke up, I, I went out to just, just spend some time walking and praying. And uh, I went across the street. There was a big uh, empty office building and hotel and had a lot of area to walk. And I was just, I was walking, I was praying and I was praying for various things. And I, I started praying for Chartel and I was praying for the services that you'd have here, that God would bless Stephanie as she preached and bless the worship. And I started praying for you who are greeters and teachers and all of you who serve. And I pray regularly for our children's workers um, because I've got vested interests. I have a grandson growing up here in the church at Chartel, and I regularly pray that God would use these teachers to do something in him that will stick forever. And as I was walking and praying, I, I, saw, this, I saw this tree. Throw that picture up for me. I saw this tree, and, and, and it just kind of hit me when I was walking by, and I took a picture of it, and I, I sent it to Aaron. I thought, that tree used to be just a seed. And someone planted that seed. And that seed has now grown into a young, strong tree, and God willing, it'll, it'll keep growing. And, and it hit me, that's what all of you who work in children's ministry, that's what you do. You plant these seeds of eternity in the hearts and lives of these kids. You, you teach them the stories of God's truth. You, you love on them so that they experience God's love. You, you, you plant these seeds that one day are, are going to continue to grow. And, and these kids that you have now, they're going to grow to be young men and women of God. And you will have a hand in that. Look at me. Don't miss that. You see, we... We are the ones upon whom God builds his church. And whether you're a children's teacher or you work with our youth or you, you help and celebrate recovery or, or, or you serve another ministry, you are allowing the spirit of God to move through you so that Christ can continue to build his kingdom on earth. Pastor Steve, how, how do I discover my purpose in life? How can I really find out that my life is useful and meaningful for something? Look at me. Come and see. Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to go ahead and 
come on up. And Rachel's going to lead us in just a, a beautiful song. It's, it, it's a song that just says, make room for him in your life. And today, um, I, I just want you to spend the next few moments just leaning into the Lord. I don't know what you need, but here's what I do know. God wants to meet you at your point of need. Maybe there are some of you who have never committed your life to Christ and today's the day where you say, you know what? I wanna choose to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. and I, I want him to forgive my past and I want him to change my future. And We would be happy to pray with you about that. There may be some of you who you, you're struggling to know who you are. You've been told all your life you're not good for anything, and, and yet you're hearing this whisper of God saying you're precious and you're valuable, and you, you need to discover your true identity. Come and see. Some of you came today needy. You, you've got stuff going on in your life. You're facing stuff at work. You're, you're facing health issues or financial issues or relational issues, and you need the help of God. Come and see what God can do for you. And there's some of you I know today that, that you want to believe that your life is meaningful, purposeful. Come and see how God can move through you. Now, you can, you can lean into the Lord all on your own right there in the pew if you want to, but I'm going to step off the stage, and we've got four of us across the front here. We would count it a privilege, any one of us, to pray with you what you're dealing with or what you're facing. We would count it a privilege to pray with you about whatever God's burdening your heart with this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful today for this invitation to come and see so much that you want to do in our lives, so much you want to change about our lives, so much you want to do through our lives, if we would just give you a chance. And so, Father, today I, I pray that as we maybe spend some time this week just thinking about how this message applies to us, that we would answer that call, that we would come and discover who you really are, that we would come and discover who we really are. That we would come and discover all the things that you can do in our life if we only believe. And that we would come and discover that you are still building your kingdom <laughs> upon flawed, broken people like us. You are an amazing God. We love you and we thank you today for your invitation to come and see. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.